hey, good morning, everyone. You doing all right? It's good to be with you. Some of you are very familiar faces. Others of you are new faces. You're all very good-looking faces, so that's nice. But I say that everywhere, so it, it doesn't mean anything. Um, it's, um, it's good to be with you guys. You doing all right? It's going to be a good day. Richard? I love you, buddy. I love you, buddy. I can't believe you're here, dude. I missed you, man. Yeah, yeah. It's good to be here, buddy. I love it. I love it. You guys doing all right? How about over here? It's good. I came from Langley this morning, not far, uh, where my wife and I live. We've got three kids. Um, Millie's our youngest and my favorite. And I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Well, maybe. I don't know. I'm still working on it. Uh, she's 10 months, and uh, she, she's just up there having a a bottle with Rach, and then Mary is three. She just turned three, and she's really planning her next, like literally two weeks ago was her birthday, and uh, she's in very great detail planning her fourth birthday right now, and yesterday I found out I was invited, which was really cool. She goes, Daddy, you're invited to my unicorn birthday party, or what is it now, babe? It's not a unicorn thing anymore. It's a Hello Kitty, Princess Aurora. I mean, she's just playing through the options, and then Hudson is turning five, and his be- he's four, his best buddy turned five today, so there's a lot of tears around that. He goes, but he's getting bigger than me. He's big. I'm like, no, there's not like a direct correlation between age and size, but he just doesn't get that, and so he thinks like, you know, I don't know if you guys know Rob and Tara Preston, but Tara's, Tara and Rob are good friends of mine, and Tara's brother Ben is a, is a really, really close friend of us in a house a lot. He's very tall, so Hudson just thinks that Ben is very old. And we're just trying to explain, no, 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 Ben's not old, he's tall. But as far as he's concerned, there's, there's just a direct correlation, you know, like it's just an age, it's just a basic pie chart graph. Anyways, it's not what I'm here to preach about. Um, I do love the Tri-Cities. If you grew up in the Tri-Cities or if you've been in this area, there's no way, I mean, pretty much anywhere in Canada, but specifically in the Tri-Cities, there's no way you've missed the Terry Fox run. And so I went to Terry Fox High School, uh, all through middle school, even elementary school, we'd run the Terry Fox run. But the ones you do at school are shorter. They're like a one kilometer run. Sometimes they're even shorter. They're one lap around the track. It's just to do it. But the city runs, the city runs are five kilometers or 10 kilometers. I know there's other options, but the main one is 10 kilometers. So I remember in grade 12, at Terry Fox High School, my buddies and I were decided, hey, let's do the Terry Fox run, like the actual Terry Fox run. And so we made shirts and we had bandanas on and we, had, we got the whole thing sorted. And we went to the front of the line at the Terry Fox run. And uh, there's all this music there beforehand. I'm just feeling jazzed. I'm like in the zone. I'm like, this is going to be easy. This is going to be awesome. And so the, they, you know, they say, on your mark, gets to go. We start running. And uh, we made such an impact visually off the front that they put us on the front page of the newspaper. So me and my buddy's front page of the newspaper is just headbands, we're at the front, and just full stride. And we look great, like the form was awesome. Anyways, that's besides the point. We got to the end of, like, there's this main road that you go down. We got to the end of that main road, and anyone who's ever tried to, do, you know, walk up a flight of stairs, for example, uh, know about lactic acid buildup in your legs. And uh, I didn't train for this event, but I was, you know, 16, 17 years old, looking like I was in good shape. Uh, I figured this is going to be no problem. By the end of the road, I've got all this lactic acid burn up, and I'm just like, oh, no, I want to stop. But there's all these people cheering and watching, and I just, I'm just dressed up. So I'm, just, I'm going, I'm going. As soon as we got around the corner uh, where there wasn't like the crowd and everyone kind of dispersed, we passed my buddy Andrew's house. And so instead of running past it, actually, we just turned into it and made pizza pops. And so we, um, we got about 500 meters into the 10-kilometer, the 
And I was just like exhausted and just like, (sighs) 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 so we made pizza pops and then we had enough time. We took about 20 minutes and then we just walked around this backyard to the end of the race and just trotted by the thing, made a great time. It was phenomenal. And, um, a number of years later, I did the Terry Fox run again, but this time I did it with my brother Kevin. Kevin's here. You guys might know Kev. I don't know. He, he lays pretty low. He's a small person. He sneaks in and out. So, but he comes here every now and then. And uh, we, we decided as a family we wanted to run the Terry Fox run. We've always loved doing it, but Kevin has been fighting cancer for the last four years. And so this was extra special for us. And so Kevin got to wear the red shirt. Now, this is really cool because the Terry Fox, he gets to wear the red shirt, which means this is someone who's surviving cancer. And so Kevin, Kevin's, you know, he exercises lots. He's in really good shape. And uh, so I, and I, I don't exercise lots. I'm not in very good shape. But it's interesting. I, I would say I was probably in the same level of, of fitness as I was maybe years ago when I first did it and quit. But the whole time I was running, I had this red shirt out in front of me. And every time I saw the red shirt, I saw my brother who's been fighting cancer. And he's running this race. And I think if this guy can persevere, I can persevere through this run. If this guy can persevere chemotherapy, radiation, all these things, just the whole life experience. And everyone here has been touched by cancer in some way in your family. There's just everyone here gets what I'm talking about on some level. And, um, and so it's just amazing to watch what can happen even in yourself when, when, when it... I guess what I mean is like there is a perseverance that can kick in. There is sort of... Um, sticking with it in the face of obstacles that you can tap into that you might not be familiar with. And some people are just way better at facing their own pain. But I think as a culture, one of our highest virtues, and this is because marketers have perpetuated this narrative, is comfort. And so the reason why we often quit in a race very easily is because we just prefer comfort over pain. And just remember doing this race and finishing the full 10 kilometers running the whole thing with the same level of pain in my legs because I had this kind of red shirt marker in front of me. And this, for me, really just illustrates this picture of perseverance, this sticking through it in the face of obstacles. This, I, I, I feel like stopping, but I'm not going to stop. Perseverance. Perseverance is pressing through in the face of obstacles or challenges or trials. And perseverance is important in the life of the followers of Jesus. I don't know where you're at in your journey with Jesus. I don't know if you've been following him for a long time, or maybe you don't, you're just here kind of exploring. Someone tricked you into coming. They said it was going to be like a concert, and you're like, what is going on? Why is this guy talking on a microphone? I don't know what got you here. I'm really glad you're here. And I think one of the goals of Resonate is to paint the clearest possible picture of Jesus, not force him on you, not put you in a corner, not make you feel pressure at all, but paint the clearest pos- picture possible of, of Jesus himself and what it looks like to follow Jesus, and then invite you to participate if you want. To, claim the, to paint the clearest picture possible. And so I think for me what I want to do this morning is just contribute to the, like, and again, you can't cover the whole story in one 30-minute message, but I want to contribute to the picture. And I want to say this. There's nothing that I believe brings more joy, fullness of life, hope, healing, restoration, and love than a personal relationship with Jesus. I don't think there's anything that brings like the level of joy, the level of healing, the level of fullness of life, but... It's really hard following Jesus. It's good, and it's full, but it's not easy. And I don't know, maybe maybe you've been to church before, you've been following Jesus for a long time, and you've already figured out that this thing is hard. That the the life that God has invited you to, like, to, to enter into it, it's free. Like, you don't earn your way in. I'm not talking about, like, an earning. One time this guy, Dallas Wheeler, said this. He said, grace. And grace means gift. And so he's referring to the gift of God that is a relationship with Jesus. He says, grace is not opposed to effort. 
It's opposed to earning. Grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. And let's be really clear out the gate. Grace is opposed to earning. And what I mean by that is there is a framework when it comes to religion and Christianity that says, hey, I have to earn right standing with God. I've got to earn my way in. I've got to behave a certain way to be accepted and loved by God. But you don't earn your way in. It's a gift. It's grace. And the grace of Jesus says no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, where you've been, no matter who your parents are, no matter what's been done to you or what mistakes you've made, you're invited. And through Jesus, you can have new life, whole life. But grace is not opposed to effort. In fact, what grace does in your heart is it casts a new vision for your life that you tilt all of your resources towards. Following Jesus is not just like a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's not just a way out of some sort of bad eternal future. It's an invitation to a whole new life. I think for a lot of us, we cross the line of faith, and we don't enter into the life that we were bought into. That we cross this line of faith in Jesus, but we don't actually walk in the fullness of life that's there. I think part of it is because we're surprised that it requires perseverance. Let me, um, let me just set up the text for this morning, and then I just want to read you a story that my friend Jazzy sent me about her own story of coming to know Jesus. So all through the New Testament, in the New Testament you've got a couple different types of books. Really two main types of books. You've got the Gospels, which are sort of records and sto- like the stories of the life of Jesus. If you want to know who Jesus is and what he's like, <coughs> the Gospels is a great place to start. Written by a few different guys from different perspectives, captures the life of Jesus. And then what we see a lot of, a lot of the New Testament is letters. That's kind of interesting. Why are there letters? But essentially, what we have in the New Testament is letters written from like pastors and almost like father figures in the young church, like in the first 150 years of the church. They're distributing these letters because people are trying to figure out what does it mean to walk in this new life we're talking about. And so like the fathers of the faith, the guys that either walked with Jesus or or God specifically gifted to sort of encourage and equip the church. They'd write these letters, and one of the guys is a guy named Paul. And oftentimes, in Paul's letters, he's saying things like, keep on going, don't give up, don't stop, persevere, run the race. Why would he say that sort of thing? Why? It's all over the place. You can't miss it. You can't get through one letter without seeing some sort of exhortation like that. Why? Because it was hard to follow Jesus in the first century. For a lot of the first Christians, it meant uh, losing your job, potentially being kicked out of your family. It meant a whole new way of living. For a lot of people, their whole way of living, their whole lifestyle was built around a certain rhythm of activity. And then when they followed Jesus, they said, I gotta, I'm going to reject that old way of living, which is the way of darkness, the way of this world. And I want to take on the way of Jesus, the way of life and love. But then that meant actually rejecting a life before that was predicated on those things that are anti-God. And so that actually came at a great cost. You constantly hear that. And so what we find ourselves in today's text in um, Galatians chapter 6 is, again, a letter from Paul to young Christians and a word of encouragement. It says this. We'll start at verse 7. It says, don't be deceived. God can't be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And so what Paul's doing is he's grabbing on um, agriculture analogy. And this would have been very familiar for these people because they're connected to agrarian culture and So he grabs this analogy that says, hey, like, what you put in the ground is what comes out of the ground. What you put in the ground, you can't plant a strawberry and expect a tomato. That's what he's saying. He says, if you plant the strawberry, and even if you don't see it, there still might be growth happening. So he's trying to get at this idea of this full picture of planting and sowing. 
So he goes on to say, he says, man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. However, or so rather, whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. So he says, hey, there's two things we can sow into. One is in the way of Jesus, sow to please the spirit, uppercase S, not lowercase, not our spirit. Sow to please the spirit, the Holy Spirit, God. Sow to please the spirit and you're going to reap full life. So to please your flesh, and you'll reap destruction. And then he says this, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So, so he says, this, and, and this is really my message this morning, is don't give up in doing good. Don't give up on pursuing the way of Jesus. Don't throw in the towel too early. Persevere. In the way of Jesus, persevere against temptation, persevere in your walk with God, persevere, keep on going, don't give up in doing good, because at just the right time, you're going to reap a harvest if you don't give up. But why that encouragement after the sowing and reaping speech? Why the sowing and reaping speech followed by this encouragement? So he says, hey, if you sow to please the flesh, you're going to reap destruction from that. But if you sow to please the spirit, from there you'll find life. So don't give up on doing good. Why the connection? Why that followed by that? And here's why. Because Paul knows what they're thinking on the other side of this letter. He says, so to please the flesh, and from the flesh you'll reap destruction. And they're saying, I'm looking around at a world that's sowing to please the flesh, and it seems like they're getting ahead while I'm not. And he goes, I'm sitting, the first Christians, I mean, they make this radical decision to follow the resurrected Jesus. They heard firsthand testimony, or maybe they encountered it themselves. They heard about the resurrected Jesus. They said, I'm going to follow him. And they're saying, so I'm going to obey him, and I'm going to sow to please the Spirit. And for them, that meant often losing their jobs, being pushed out of their family. Everything they knew and loved shifted and changed. And they're sitting there saying, hey, I see what you're saying but everything around me seems like it's going the opposite way. And it feels like everybody else that's going the way of this world seems to be getting ahead while I'm stuck here. Have you ever felt that way before? And so he said, hey guys, I get that, but don't give up. Don't give up. I know it might look one way right now, but don't give up because at just the right time, you'll reap a harvest. Here's my friend Jazzy's story, and I asked her to text it to me, and so I just wanted to hear it in her own words. Um... She became a Christian when I think she was 16 or 17. She came from a Sikh family and a religious, like a practicing Sikh family. And she had some friends from school that invited her to church. And she heard the message of Jesus. And she'd never heard anything like it. And um, so this is what she said. I asked her two questions. Said, hey, could you tell me a bit about like, what stood out to you about the message of Jesus? And then I said, hey, could you describe that first year of following Jesus? So this is what she said. She says, the number one thing that stood out to me about the message of Jesus was the fact that he loves me so much despite my past. I used to think that I had to earn God's love. And this is this whole bit about earning versus effort. She said, I used to think I had to earn God's love, but what I learned was that you don't earn it. But watch how healthy this young girl understands the difference between earning and effort. She goes, I used to think that I had to earn God's love. My past religion taught me that I had to do certain things, act a certain way, eat certain things in order for God to accept me. Christianity taught me that I had to do zero of those things to be accepted by him. I just needed to come as I am. Knowing that I could come to God with my baggage was a game changer. Because as I came with my baggage, he transformed me. And knowing I'm coming with my baggage and he still loves me was so crazy for me. 
And then learning that Christianity is a relationship and not a religion was also a game changer. I thought the only way to God was religion, but it's actually through relationship. As I understood what it meant to have a relationship with him, that helped me let go of things like swearing, drinking, drugs, approval, etc. I love that she put drinking and approval in the same list. I think that's really wise. I didn't let go of those things because if I didn't, God wouldn't love me as Sikhism taught me. But I let go of them because I know God loves me and wants what's best for me. And I want what's best for me. Isn't that, isn't that wise? She goes, I didn't let go of these things because I thought by letting go of these things, God would love me. She said, no, 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 no. I'm letting go of these things because I know he loves me. And he wants what's best for me, and I want what's best for me. I said, yeah, thank you. You're amazing. And then she goes on to say, the first year of following Jesus was both beautiful and messy. I knew following Jesus meant that there was going to be a cost, and I knew that cost was my family. And then when I actually had to tell them and got rejected, it was difficult but it was so worth it. I realized in that moment it doesn't matter what obedience might cost you because the reward in obeying is so much better. I lost my family for a season, but I grew closer to Jesus. I knew one day I'd be able to use my story to help others when they go through a similar situation. My prize is Jesus for going through all I did with my family, and to me that made it all worth it. I was a little shook, of course, with all this happening as someone who's only been a Christian a year. But I chose to view it as a blessing because in hardships we get to choose if we want to run to Jesus or away from him. I'm glad I persevered and chose to run to Jesus because as I still face trials today, although maybe not as intense as leaving my family, the spirit of discipline to run to Jesus is always there. I hope this helps. Let me know if you have any more questions or what, to, what you want me to elaborate on, anything else. Hope the sermon goes well. I said, beautiful. You should be preaching tomorrow instead of me. Ha, 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 ha. No way. <laughs> I remember um, another occasion when a young person had to make a decision between following Jesus, knowing that it might cost them their family, and me thinking, do I believe this thing enough to let them go through it? You know? Because I think sometimes we pitch Christianity as like, hey, just add this thing to your life, and it's just going to round out. You're, you know, you've already, you're already fit, you've got your family, you've got your job, your career. Add Jesus to that thing, and it's going to round the whole picture out. But that's actually not the good news about Jesus. It's not like, hey, you could add, um, if you use like a, a computer analogy, it's not like, hey, you can add like, you could upgrade the modem or you could add a bigger hard drive. It's not like that. It's like, hey, it's a whole new operating system. It means throwing out the old and bringing the new. And it can have massive impacts in every area of life. Now, for some of you, let's say you're a principal at a school or a teacher, for some of you, because God's put that dream in your heart, it's going to mean, hey, as a teacher, you're going to now see it differently. You're going to see this opportunity to love and care for kids. You're going to start, like, following Jesus is going to change the way you see your job. But for others, your job is so loaded with a way of life that there's just no way for you to reconcile your faith in your work, and it might mean walking away from your job. And I just, and so you, I find myself as a preacher and a pastor asking myself, like, do I believe in this thing enough to say these things? And I do. And you can't take my word for it, but I just, the fullness of life that I found in Jesus, discovering that I know my maker, and then, and then knowing that, you know what, at this point in the game, I'm not interested in, in offering an easy life. In fact, I don't think that you were even made for an easy life. I think that humans were meant to fight. And one of the reasons why you and I get into so much trouble is because you're not fighting for something worthwhile. You were, my, you were made to fight for things that had eternal stakes. 
but instead we fight for petty things that last a day. You find yourself all worked up over all sorts of things, but you are meant to fight. And so I came this morning to say, persevere, keep on going. In fact, perseverance start when things get challenging. Like if you're doing push-ups, perseverance in push-ups doesn't start till you don't want to do anymore. Are you tracking with me? When you're running, when does perseverance start? When the lactic acid hits, when you want to stop, when you don't have your breath. What about with temptation? When does perseverance start when you're tempted? As soon as you want to do the thing you're tempted by. You're scrolling through Instagram, and you find yourself, whether it's on an image that's going to lead you down a path of comparison, or an image that's going to lead you down a path of sexual morality, and you find yourself saying, I have a decision to scroll past, to engage, to click further, to follow this trail. And temptation is that moment. Perseverance is starting there. Perseverance is not when you are, like for example, I have a cookie eating problem. It's a problem, I'm working on it. And the problem is this, the problem is this. It's not like, it's not like a diet thing, it's that I just don't know how to stop, it's a sickness thing. It's like I only know how to eat all of the cookies there or none at all, I don't have an in-between. So like, if it's 11 o'clock at night and my family's asleep and I go into the, the freezer, because we keep the celebration cookies, there's a little hint for you, celebration cookies frozen, they're just top shelf, anyways. If I go in and Rachel had like bought some, they're all gone the next day. And then like I try to cover it up because I just don't want to be busted by it, even though I know she's going to find the whole thing out. So I have this cookie problem and, uh, and I'm working on it, okay? It's actually quite nice to talk about it in public just to get that out. It's a little cathartic actually, just being in a safe community like this, talking about that is quite nice. But perseverance starts the moment you want to keep going. And so with temptation... I think sometimes we throw in the towel too soon. What do I mean by temptation? And I don't know where you're at with your journey with Jesus. But one of the steps you're going to take in your walk with Jesus is you're going to make a decision. Does God love you and know what's best for you? Like this isn't like an earning thing. This is like a good heavenly father loving his kids sort of thing. And as a a father of kids, there is me taking away things from our kids. I was just with Rob in the parking lot and his son Sebastian was running up to the curb and I watched as Rob did it. He said, said, no, he trusts that he's going to stop at the curb before going onto the road. So at one point in your journey with your kids, you hold their hands, you don't let them go, right? You don't let them have the shot. But there is an inviting your kids to grow up where you say, I trust you in the face of temptation. You better believe kids want to walk. Everything inside them wants to take that step. And God invites us to a mature relationship. He doesn't treat you like a kid. And he doesn't control you. There are some theological interpretations that understand God as someone who controls, but he doesn't. And that's one of the most frustrating things for me about God. I wish he would just rig the whole thing. But he gives us autonomy and choice. He empowers us with his Holy Spirit. We're not alone. He gives us his word as our instructions. But you're going to make a choice. Do I trust God? And temptation and perseverance through temptation is the moment when all you want to do is that thing in front of you and you go the other way. I just wrote down some examples. Perseverance through temptation might look like changing the channel. It might look like turning off the computer. It might look like deleting the app. It might look like not answering his text or deleting his phone number. It might mean not participating in gossip or not finishing what you were about to say. Recently, I've been like, oh, boys, you got to hear this. And I'm like, I've been training myself that whenever I do a setup like that, to think, should I actually say it? So all my friends are really annoyed because I'm like, oh, boys, never mind. <laughs> and I've noticed like no less than 12 times in the last like, month, I've been like, oh, boys, you got to hear this. And 
never mind. And now my friends are like, good, Jay. Good stuff, buddy. We're proud of you. Because it's never too late to make a good decision. Do you know that? It's never too late to make a good decision. Perseverance is in the face of temptation going the other way. Sometimes we throw in the towel too soon. Sometimes we don't take the necessary steps to fight temptation. I think about the courage to tell somebody something embarrassing about your life. You know what? If you've been fighting with that thing for six years on your own, this year you're not going to solve it on your own. If you've been fighting for it for years, why not let somebody in? This is the amazing thing about Jesus. This is the amazing thing about the family of God. It's because none of us could earn salvation. We all get to be at the same boat. None of us are trying to impress anybody. None of us are trying to perform. So it actually creates the kind of community, or it's meant to create the kind of community where there's no comparison, there's no judgment. And so I can say, hey, here's where I'm at. I need help. And perseverance is sometimes saying, I need help where I'm at right now. There's other areas where we persevere. I was thinking about persevering in our own walk with Jesus. I um, used to feel so guilty for not wanting to pray. I always heard preachers be like, oh man, I just love my time with Jesus. Oh man, like I just love hanging out with Jesus. And I'd be like, every time I wake up and I should pray, I don't want to pray. And then I heard this Benedictine monk say that when he wakes up in the morning, he doesn't want to pray. It's like, well, that's nice to hear. This is what he says. He says, every morning when I wake up, I rarely feel like praying. Sometimes I feel like praying, but more often I don't. And he goes, so what he does every morning when he goes to pray, and this is the kind of guy who prays for hours a day. He goes, I never feel like it. So he says, I just grab hold of one verse, one very familiar verse, and I just start to repeat it over and over again. Something like Psalm 23, which is like, the Lord is my shepherd. This verse about him walking with us. And I don't have to fear evil. And goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. He's beautiful. So he'll just start repeating these verses. The Lord is my shepherd. Don't have to fear evil. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And just repeats it until something wakes up in his heart that can make him move to the next step of prayer. And I thought about perseverance in our walk with God. I mean, one of the only things standing between you and growing in maturity and intimacy with God, which is so important for us, is the decision to turn off your cell phone, to change your schedule, to say that my personal time with God is more important than sleep. It's more important than my social life. It's more important than catching up on the news. And again, guys, no guilt, no shame. I'm not interested in guilt and shame. It's a, it's a lousy motivator. I didn't come here to make you feel guilty for not praying about because that would only help you for a week. No, I want to help you for life. I want you to know that you've been invited to a relationship with God full of strength, full of power that requires perseverance. And there is, I just think about my relationship with Rach. Like when we were dating, you couldn't keep us away from each other. The butterflies, the chemistry, sparked everywhere. And um, I didn't need sleep. I would just, I'd do anything to see rage. It could be the end of like, I was going to university, I had two jobs, it could be the end of, I could have gone to classes all day, gone to two, both my jobs, and that was a real situation, and I still would drive out to Langley, which was 45 minutes away, spend time with her and go home, get a few hours of sleep, and start the next day again. You couldn't stop me. But when you're married, all those butterflies and sparks, they're just not working for you in the same way as they used to. You know what I mean? And when I see Rach choose to pursue me, when I see Rach and I experience Rachel's love when she puts me first, when she goes out of her way to pursue time with me, knowing that it's not a feeling, but it's a choice, now we're talking about love. What that was before was cool and awesome and beautiful, but it was a kind of love, but it was B-class love. What we're in the business of now, that's A-quality stuff. 
And in our walk with Jesus, there is a perseverance in your personal walk with God where you say, God, I'm here with you and I don't feel it. There's just nothing more important for me today than to be with you. There's a perseverance in our walk with God. There's a perseverance in praying for others. I met a woman one time that said she prayed for her husband for 26 years before her husband came to know Jesus. I think, what perseverance? How many times did she feel like the church that Paul was writing to? Said, I'm looking around, I've been persevering, and it seems like everything I've sowed has drawn up nothing. Meanwhile, everybody's been doing their life and it looks like they're doing just fine. God, where are you coming through on this 26 years? And the encouragement for you this morning is say, don't give up in doing good. Don't throw in the towel too soon. As soon as it gets hard, that's where perseverance kicks in. I was hanging out with, um, with um, a ministry called Wagner Hills Farm. And it's a recovery center in Langley. It's a working farm and there's about 30 dudes there. And there's a women's campus as well. They're both working farms. And they're all people coming out of addiction primarily drugs and alcohol, but for some of them it's pornography and other things like that. And I like to go up there and share. I love spending time with them because the, the only time in my life, I preach mostly for a living, so I do this about two, three times a week. And it's my favorite place to preach because the only place where people are really honest where they're at, like you guys are sort of honest with where you're at, these guys are really honest with where they're at because they're like, look at this. How do I pretend that I don't need help? They're at a recovery center. So 30 dudes. And so I was chatting with them this week and I was saying, hey, how do I explain that there's a way to let go of your own strength without giving up? I said, do you guys know what I mean? Like letting go but not giving up? They're like, oh yeah, buddy, I know what you're talking about. Do you wanna know why? Because they haven't given up, have they? They're fighting addiction. They're at the farm. Most of these guys, this is their third, fourth attempt at recovery. And they're here, they're not giving up. You with me? But man, they let go. I can't do this on my own strength. There is a letting go that's not giving up. And this is when we lean on the power of the Holy Spirit to persevere versus on the power of ourselves to persevere. This is when we lean into the, the community that God has given us to persevere, not our own strength. You wanna do this in isolation on your own grit. But God wants to invite you to do it in community in the power of the Holy Spirit. There is a letting go that's not giving up. There is a letting go that's not giving up. And I want to encourage you to keep on going. Don't give up in the face of temptation. Don't give up loving your neighbor who doesn't seem to be breaking. Don't stop praying. Don't stop pushing into your walk with God. You haven't biffed it too much. You haven't not prayed enough days in a row. It's not too late. Keep on going. But there is a letting go that's not giving up. It's you saying, perhaps even this morning, God, I cannot do this on my own strength anymore. But I'm not giving up. And I don't know how else to explain that. There is a shifting of the emphasis from yourself to God. And I would just invite you this morning as we respond and as we pray to find a posture. And for me, I always try to imitate my, my, my heart with my hands. That's why I always go palms up. And palms up, like if I'm in a conversation with somebody and, you're, and I, I, I'm offended by you, I go like this. You watch, this is what we do, we close off. And whenever I see myself close off, I actually just go palms up on my, under the table, even all palms up like this, and just make myself vulnerable to that person. So that offense doesn't set in. And before the Lord, it's tempting to say, I'm gonna do this on my own, versus God, I'm desperate for your help. So just in a moment when we pray, I just want us to maybe find the posture of palms up. There's nothing magic about that, but I wonder if it's a symbolic gesture that reflects our heart, that might be a step of faith for you this morning. Say, Holy Spirit, I'm letting go, but I'm not giving up. 
I'm not giving up on my, my family member that I'm praying for, my spouse or my nephew or my niece, my son, my daughter. God, I'm, I've been fighting this thing that I've been tempted by again and again. I'm letting go, but I'm not giving up. Palms up. One more picture for you and then we'll pray, okay? One more thought. A relationship with Jesus is a walk, not a ladder. A relationship with Jesus is a walk, not a ladder. Sometimes we think about following Jesus like a ladder. And what I mean by that is, and again, maybe you're new to church, so you might not have experienced this, but sometimes we think about it in that, in that earning framework. And so you're like, oh man, I made a good decision to follow Jesus. I've been praying, I've been reading my Bible, I shared my faith, I gave him the, the offering, I did something radical, I, I, and we're climbing a ladder, right? And then all of a sudden we trip up. You know, we talk back to our parents, we get upset with a colleague at work, Someone doesn't follow through with a contract and you, you retaliate in a way that doesn't honor God or, or you forget to pray or you give into temptation or you find yourself not reading scripture like you promised or you're not serving. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh man, I've fallen to the bottom of the ladder. But you're like, okay, I'm gonna muscle it. I'm gonna keep going back to the bottom. And then you try again. So you go, I'm reading my Bible, I'm praying, I'm sharing my faith. And you climb up the ladder and then you mess up again or you, you give into temptation or you don't keep praying and you follow the bottom and eventually, you're like, man, if I keep going to the bottom of this ladder, I do not want to start again. And for some of you this morning, you're like, Jay, I've heard this talk before. I've been exhorted this way. I know I feel convicted, but I'm pushing away the conviction because I can't start again. I'm just settling for this type of intimacy with God. I'm just going to settle for this type of effectiveness in the kingdom. But the problem with that type of thinking is a relation with God is a walk, not a ladder. It's a walk. You walk with God. And he tells you things about yourself. And you grow in him and he whispers to you. There's encounters you had with him in worship. There's things that happened in prayer. There's steps you took in faith. And then you trip up and you fall. You don't keep leaning in. You give in to temptation. And when you stand up on a walk, where are you? You where you started? No, no one can rob those moments you had with God. No one can steal the things that he told you about your destiny. No one can steal his, no one can do that. It's grace. It's a walk, not a ladder. So the beautiful thing about perseverance in the kingdom of God, you see, we would stop perseverance. We would stop persevering if we always started from the beginning. But there is a new type of perseverance that allows us to keep going even when we've messed up. There's a new type of perseverance that kicks in. It's, it's a letting go, but not giving up. It's a leaning on the Spirit's power. It's a walk, not a ladder. Let me just pray. Maybe you want to bow your heads, close your eyes. Nothing magical about that, just as a way of focusing Maybe you want to join me, palms up. Just a way of saying, God, I'm open. I'm open to you. So Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that you would fill us with strength. God, I do think that there's business that you want to do with certain people this morning. There's certain businesses that you want to do, like God, you wanted to maybe speak to a specific area. Maybe there's things rattling through your head. I didn't even mention them, but you've been going to this with these different scenarios. I just wonder if maybe God's speaking to you maybe the kindness of the Lord is speaking to you this morning and wanting to invite you into a space where he wants to invite you to persevere but this time not in your own strength but in his strength not alone but in community so I don't know what it means for you but maybe just verbalize to the Lord God I just want to let go but I'm not giving up I feel really strongly that there's people here you've been praying for a loved one I think it's sons and daughters it's kids somebody else, your mom. You've been praying a lot. You've been praying a lot. I just want to encourage you, don't give up. Persevere in prayer. 
don't give up. At just the right time, at just the right time, it's just like God to show up at just the right time. Don't give up. Don't give up. Just everyone's in this posture of just openness to God. I just want to, um, I know that it's a, it's a, it's a rhythm and a pattern here at Resonate, and I love this with the church, to make sure that everyone has a chance uh, every week to respond to the good news of Jesus. And so if you're here and you say, hey, I'm not a follower of Jesus, or maybe you've left the church a long time ago, you haven't been following Jesus for a long time, and this morning you say, hey, I want in. I want to live my life with Christ at the center. I want to put my hope and my trust in Jesus. I want the full life, even though it's not an easy life, I want that full life found in Jesus. I want to surrender my life to his way and his power. Some of the language that scripture used talks about experiencing forgiveness of sins, and this is that like cleansing of the old life and then a replanting into a new life. And that's done through faith in Jesus, not faith in ourselves, not our own effort. It's like a letting go and receiving that gift. And so if that's you today, I just want to pray for you. If you're here and you say, hey, I want to just begin a friendship with Jesus. I want to make him the Lord of my life. Could I just invite you just to pray after me? Just a whisper in your own heart. It's just, I'll just give you some language and you can grab the words that I use and you can pray them with your heart or you can change the words. It's really about your heart. Like God's not nitpicky. He's not trying to like, be like, did you get the right words or not? No, he's responding to the posture of your heart. So what I want to just help is to maybe give you language that might echo a posture of the heart that says, God, I want to follow you. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, you can just whisper this after me or this morning if you want to begin a friendship with Jesus, you want to become a Christian this morning, why don't you just pray this after me? You say, dear Jesus, today I choose to follow you. God, I give you my past. Heal me. I give you my mistakes, my successes, my failures, all the good, all the bad. Make me new. God, I've lived as if I was in charge of my life. Today, I want to live with you in charge of my life. I receive this gift of new life. I receive this gift of relationship with you as a gift. I couldn't earn it on my own, but I receive it this morning. I say yes and thank you. Come and fill my life with your love, your power. In Jesus' name. church. Let's give it up for Pastor Jason this morning.